adventurers, it's time for OG RPG. A weekly journey into the realm of 8 and 16 and 32-bit RPGs. This week, we begin our battle with Final Fantasy 1 on the NES. But first, uh, a quick apology for the tardiness of this episode. Uh, sometimes life throws a few monsters your way that you, despite your best efforts, you just can't run away from. Well then, now, Final Fantasy. So let's start this first podcast off at the very beginning with the history of Final Fantasy. This game was developed and published by Square, and it came out in December of 87 in Japan and in 1990 in the U.S. I'm not sure when in Europe and other uh, territories. That much of a gap between Japan and the U.S.? Yeah, well, they're slow on on RPGs, as we'll find out, uh, where, you know, you're always a couple years or a generation behind uh, up until... I guess Final Fantasy VII, at least for this series. That's kind of like uh, Japanese cartoons, anime, where it's years and years before we get it here. Uh, oh, oh, yeah. Well, nowadays it's not so bad, but it was it was terrible when I was a wee lad. Yeah, in the 80s, yeah. No internet. So a little context for that date. Like, this came out the same year as Dragon Warrior Two. Oh, okay. Even though um, it's really closer to Dragon Warrior 3 in development time and stuff. Like, it came out the same year, but I think towards the end. Whereas Dragon Warrior 2, or at least in Japan, Dragon Warrior 2 came out at the beginning of the year. And then Dragon Warrior 3 came out at the beginning of the next year. And Final Fantasy came out, like I said, in December in Japan. So it was like sandwiched right between the two of those. And that's where, you know, I always kind of compare it to Dragon Warrior 3 in levels of, like, technicality, I guess. I don't know. And this game is the brainchild of Hironobu Sakaguchi, who's, you know, kind of the godfather of Final Fantasy. You know, this was he was the guy behind this and many, many other RPGs and, and Final Fantasy titles as well. Shall I list them for you? Um, there's too many. There are too many. There's, he, he has touched, you know what I mean? Like, uh, he's, he's done a lot of great stuff. Yep, from the 80s to present day. There are some other uh, notable names involved with this game, such as Akatoshi Kowazu. Who uh, he worked on the battle sequences and is probably responsible for the D and D slash wizardry similarities, or so I've been told. Oh, and is he... it chicken and the egg scenario, or like did one influence the other? What do you mean? Was D and D influenced after? No, 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 no. Okay, never. Mind. Oh, uh, no, actually, in a way, if you look at as late as like third edition D and D, the way they adopted kind of like elemental systems and stuff, because that really wasn't truly there. The way it is now in uh-huh. first and second edition Dungeons and Dragons. Very interesting. But he's famous for the uh, saga series, including the Final Fantasy Legend games, as well as, you know, not only in, he did, I think, Final Fantasies 2 and 8. So I haven't heard good stuff about 2, but I love 8. So, you know, it's a little divisive game, though. Right. Same here. This is also, uh, we have Nobuo Uematsu, who is the uh, composer for. Pretty much the entire Final Fantasy franchise for many years. Uh, I don't know when he dipped out after 7 or something. I I don't know. Which is great that he was the composer because the Final Fantasy intro music has almost never changed. It's always, yeah, it's always like a play on it. So it's it's been there. You know, we've heard it at the beginning here and you'll hear it again in many, many games for many years. And, uh, you know. There's also kind of a famous story about the origins of the name Final Fantasy and that it could have been the end of Square, but uh, or the oh. possible bankruptcy. But it really, I guess, uh, somewhat it could have been Sakaguchi's last game. But they really wanted, a, apparently the truth is that they really wanted a title that used the letter and sound F and had two Fs in it, alliterative. Like it was going to be fighting fantasy originally. But I guess the way that those like characters in... Japanese workout. It's like a, I don't know if it's a pun or something, but it has some kind of other value to it as well. So that's what they were going for. Very interesting. If I find a picture of that, I'll definitely post it. Yes. <laughs> I'll hold you to that problem. So you hold me to that problem. That is a problem indeed. A problem it, you got to solve. We've already got a problem. We help. All right, so now let's talk about our uh, pasts with Final Fantasy on the NES. Nick, when is the first time you ever played Final Fantasy? Well, uh, it would have been in 1990. 
I was right there at ground zero. I remember anticipating the release of this game uh, very much and uh, was blown away by it. How about uh, you? Well, um, I remember it would have been, you know, my brother that played this game with a friend, sleepover style. Okay. And me being, uh, you know, pesky younger sister, <laughs> I would I would just try to hang out, but I would just watch it. Right, and, right. Yeah, and I was just mesmerized by it. Well, by this point, uh, when this could come out, I had already played... I had played and beaten Dragon Warrior 1. I know I had at least the first Ultima game released on NES, Ultima Exodus. I know I would have played. I remember renting and playing Dragon Warrior 2, so it came out like in this time where I was I was already into RPGs. I was already starting to play D&D. I understood the books at this point. I was actually, you know, pretty well versed for a 10-year-old. Well, how did you hear about it ahead of time? How did you hear about Final Fantasy before it was released? Uh, well, um, I had Nintendo Power, so I remember seeing they had a... A brief ad, I believe they called it like the summer of Final Fantasy, 1990. Like it just had like a one page, had a, some screenshots in it, and it just looked really cool. You could see your characters. Uh, it had a lot more going on graphically, so that I, you know I could tell from that one screenshot. And then eventually uh, there was a full ep- uh, issue, but I didn't need that. I was already sold. Like I remember the first time I played it, my friend got to rent it, and then. I was I spent the weekend at his house, so and then somehow I was able to trick my mother into following them to the video store right after she came to pick me up, so I could go get it and rent it, and then take it home and play again. That's commitment. That's right, and I'm not sure. I, I try to place it too whether this was a birthday gift. I think it was a Christmas gift because I remember over Christmas vacation one year, or it might have been one of these stretches where we had a bunch of uh, school was canceled for snow, you know, for a week or two at a time, and. I was able to just stay on this hide-a-bed in front of the TV and play this game. And my parents didn't care. I put in hours and hours and almost beat it. And that was on a rental, mind you. Wow. So that so, would have been... Yeah, yeah. I was trying. I was like, I was really trying to beat it, but I, I could only get about halfway through. So. Well, how long was the rental for? Like two nights? Well, it was supposed to be, but the roads were so bad, you know. Oh. So it was really... And that was how I was able to kind of, you know, I've only got this game. Let me get the most out of your money that you keep spending on late fees so yeah it's good times wow well i remember uh so watching you know older brother play the game and uh when he actually beat it we were all there like he was like everybody gathered (laughs) around well we already knew you know we already knew like the finale was approaching so we were there uh when he finally did beat the game and i remember taking a photograph of the tv oh wow to commemorate the moment and i probably still have that picture somewhere Oh, awesome. You should find it. I will find it. Uh, as far as playing it, though, I, I didn't play it until years later, until I um, I think I had played some other RPGs and then went back to, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to be a completist, went back to the beginning. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Not disappointed. It's still compared with, uh, you know, newer RPGs mm, okay. that I had played. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't uh, care for it in retrospect, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll save that little talk for a second. So and then... Uh, what we were playing through, uh, I assume that you defeated this game yourself nowadays? You mean current, present times? Current yeah, times? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I, d- I did totally beat this game. In fact, on uh, the most recent, well, I should say playthroughs, mm-hmm. because I actually played this game uh, twice recently. Uh, sure, yeah. Just like yourself. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Fiends. Fiends. Fiends for the fantasy. And and you beat it twice, right? Yeah, or, okay. yeah, of course, yeah. I beat it both times, Um you know, different parties, so different. Yeah, different, same here. I like out, di- same outcome, but different, uh, different approaches. Different culprits. Now it's one of my favorite times of the podcast to talk about the manual for Final Fantasy. Ooh. Do tell. Well, so you encountered this game uh, in your past. So did you get to see the manual and accoutrement that came with it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The the cover of the booklet is, of course, iconic. It's a uh, black background. Um, you know, the logo. It it looks like. Uh, yeah, the orb and stuff. It's all. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, yes. Just yeah. like the the cover of the, the game itself. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, so I know I did pour over it and over it. As a kid, I mean, that was, you know, limited material as far as, you know, fantasy stuff with pictures. Yeah, and this isn't a little, you know, half page one. It's a full Super NES style. I don't know what, like 12 by 8 or I don't know. It's a much larger page one than a standard NES 
instruction booklet. Of course. And this one being a story, how much story is in the manual? Um, Not a whole lot. It just gives you a little brief. I mean, well, okay. It's sort of in there in that, like, first off, it's 80 pages. So this is a huge book. It's full color and it has, while not a lot of artwork, there's a ton of screenshots in it to explain all your different screens and blah, blah, blah. And it goes through it pretty well. But it also has a walkthrough all the way up till you get the airship. That's a good chunk of it. I'm yeah, kind of surprised at that. It's what the last uh, kind of half of the book is, I think, you know? like. But it also came with a poster that had all of the enemies with stats, all of the spells and who can use them, and as well as equipment. That's uh, very generous. And a bunch of dungeon maps as well. So, you know, and I, I kind of saw this when, when Dragon Warrior 1 came out. You know, I bought it and it came with, you know, the little manual. And then when you could, there was a giveaway where if you subscribe to Nintendo Power, you could get a free copy of Dragon Warrior. And that came with a manual that's more similar to this size and length. And it gave you a walkthrough through most of it telling you, like, get, wait to your level, you know, 12 where you go here or wherever, you know. Were there any other kind of uh, accoutrement that you could either get or came with the game? You know, like a poster, world map? I don't, I mean, well, I actually had, it's funny you should say that. Um, there was a contest in Nintendo Power that actually won where it was like a Final Fantasy trivia contest. And there were like three park coverage of this game. Um, you know, the final prizes were like, I don't know, like a crystal ball or a sword. And, uh, I won only in the first round where I got some decals, Final Fantasy decals for your controller. What? That's amazing. Do you remember what the questions were for trivia? The only one I always remember is, what's the name of the dancer in Corneria? What's her name? Her name is Arilon. Wow. But it's some, it's some of them I feel, I don't even know if you could learn them from screenshots in the Nintendo Power article, but that one I knew. But those decals were okay. They had like, you know, like it would say like B and tell you what B does in all these different menus or something. And they had like red like sweet lettering it was all black but they were crappy and did not stick to my controllers so they would always roll off so i gave up so shame on them well they were free all you had to do was remember some obscure final fantasy facts Uh. (laughs) so final fantasy is an rpg it's a JRPG, uh, and it's an early one, so it follows a lot of the standards. And, you know, since this is an RPG-centric podcast, we're not going to describe an RPG every episode. So it being a JRPG, that means um, you just have options, choices from what kind of uh, commands. So it follows many uh, standard conventions where you explore the world through an overhead kind of map screen. You can see your lead character uh, depicted there in the center, and you walk around and over. You can explore towns this way, dungeons, and a map, an overland map. And like you said, you just see your lead person. So that's the, um, because you have four characters in this game always. You start with four, you end with four, it never changes. That's true. Um, And it's kind of, uh, I mean, I don't know if it's an innovation, but it's something that this is the biggest party I had ever played with, you know, when I first played this game, because... Again, Dragon Warrior 3 had not come out when this game came out, either here or in Japan. When In those games, you just have you. It's just you, yeah, well, solo character. You have three characters total in Dragon Warrior 2. But, you know, when you compare those type of games to, say, Wizardry, where you could have like six or eight, or maybe Might and Magic, these uh, Western co- uh, computer RPGs, you know, this was a step towards that standard. And uh, so the four characters you start with, you actually get to choose what characters they are that's yeah. of of the of the available character types that's right um uh, you have six character classes you can choose from this has no like doesn't have any fantasy races or anything everyone's human uh that you can choose your characters from anyways um but uh all all of the characters have five stats that kind of uh, determine various things um you know we'll describe them here but they don't really have a lot of impact in your gameplay because you know they go up when you level up and that's it you don't have any choices or agency involving which stats you increase uh when you know yeah you can't do anything to affect those starting stats they'll just change as you level up and increase yeah and you know depending on which class you get different stats uh, such as strength you know obviously fighters like that and stuff uh there's agility which kind of factors into your evade a little bit Mm -hmm. uh your intelligence 
which uh, the manual, you know, I guess we'll get into it now. This game has a lot of bugs, and we've just come across the first one. Your intelligence stat does nothing. It's just a number. Yeah, it's just a number. Um, It's supposed to influence the amount of damage or healing or effectiveness of your spells, but does not. Yeah, and that's logical, too. Like, I would just assume intelligence... Yeah, and I mean it's it says it does, and but it's it's something that was uh, coded wrong or something. There's quite a few of those things. Uh, we'll mention them more as we come across them uh, in this game. I wonder what that would have been like if it actually did do anything. Well, I I have my theories that it may have solved or mitigated certain problems that I think occur with the magic casting classes. But more about that later. There is your vitality, which uh, determines your hit points or is part of what determines your hit points. Makes sense. And finally, there is luck. So luck contributes to your evade also? I, I Yeah, I believe so. I think it also helps critical hits a bit. Um, the one thing I know is that it helps activate another bug, which is the uh, run bug. So in combat, like in many RPGs, you can choose to run away. Uh, each character can do it, and they all have a chance for success. And if they do, the whole party runs. Um, and the success for it is supposed to depend on several factors, uh, one of which being luck. And it does kind of, unless you are in the first or second slot in your battle lineup. In which case, uh, if you have a 15 or higher luck, uh, it, it like compares it to the condition of the... Say you're in slot one, it would compare you to slot three character or slot two and four and if as long as their condition is okay like they're not poisoned or turned to stone or anything uh if you have a 15 luck you will run away uh successfully every time so there's that there uh, it usually takes a little while from uh most classes to get there so um it but it can be pretty useful if you know that late game but i i think for if you're in the rear two slots you're running away works normally but I, i'm not sure exactly so those are the stats um they uh, really, the real stats that they influence are for, as far as combat is concerned, really, are your hit percentage, which um, determines uh, your hit percentage and damage. You know, they both factor whether or not you hit A and B, if you do, how many times, and then how much damage you do. So those are the stats that you really want to look at because they're the ones that will be modified when you change weaponry or equipment. And Likewise, for armor with your absorb, which reduces the amount of damage you take, and evade, which decreases the number of hits or if they just entirely miss. So those are the real stats of the game. So, Abby, why don't you start talking to us about uh, the classes of this game? Okay, so like I said at the beginning of the game, when you start, you pick your four-person party. Mm -hmm. So you get to select the classes. You can do all the exact same class, or you could choose from these six. Yeah, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's something that isn't as common as I wish it was in a lot of RPGs because I, it's something that always draws me to a game because I get to put my little stamp on it. Yeah, like in uh, in other RPGs, you know, you start out with your main character. You have no choice about that. Yeah, yeah. And then the other characters... You just collect them. On sometimes, your way. sometimes you can kind of like express yourself a little by choosing different characters or which ones you use. But here, you just get all your choices from the get go. Mm-hmm. So those six classes are fighter. The fighter, yeah. Let's talk about the fighter. Okay, so the fighter is gonna fight for you. He's sure, gonna, yeah. He's gonna fight. That's what you're gonna use him for uh, for the entire game. Yeah, and this is already the term fighter. You know that in the the parlance of our times, I guess, is due to Dungeons and Dragons. I think in Dragon Warrior, you know, they would say stuff like, I don't know, they might have used the term fighter, at least in the Western localization. But, you know, that kind of term, instead of soldier or warrior, I think it really comes down to uh, D&D influences. Okay, well, besides uh, fighter, um, another, you know, physically attacking character would be the Black Belt. That's true. Um, uh, The Black Belt is like a monk. They would become known as later. Mm-hmm. After, yep, yep. They advance from black belt to monk. I'm not um, sure what. No, they turn into a grandmaster. Oh, they turn so. into a grandmaster. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the black belt is the unarmed kind of fighter or yeah. a warrior. I don't know. Without using the word fighter. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it's, uh, you know, no magic here. He doesn't use a lot of weapons or armor. You know, the fighter can use any weapon or armor, but almost none for the black belt. Yeah, so in comparison to the fighter, who's more of a, like, barbarian, 
I don't know if I would say he's that uncivilized, but <laughs> uh, his martial style is, you know, what you think of as like Western D&D fighter style. But the black belt, as you said, is like your unarmed fighter. So yeah, no weapons. Uh, what weapons he can use are associated with, you know, more um, Eastern. Oh, it's nunchucks. That's, it's nunchucks. That's yeah, get. let's just say it. It's, <laughs> we'll just come right out with it. It's nunchucks. And um, yeah, doesn't really use armor. And that makes sense, you know, as a class, um, you know, you want to sure. be quick, agile. With this, uh, and, you know, this has a benefit in that it makes it a cheap class to outfit, uh, especially early on in the game. Yeah, you don't have to buy any of those pesky weapons or armor for him. <laughs> and like we said, no spells. Um, I think the black belt, you know, they're all right at the beginning. They don't compare to the fighter in terms of damage or hit points. You know, they're not a tank uh, nearly as much as them. Mm-hmm. But they do have maybe the second best HP. But really, it's like around levels like 8 to 12 in there, especially by 12. That's when you're you're going to start outperforming a red mage with a silver sword or, you know, uh, as far as your attacks go. So you'll start... You will catch up to and surpass the fighter in your offensive powers by the end of the game. Mm-hmm. The other uh, character class that's uh, strictly physical attack would be the uh, thief. That's right, the thief. Which is, um, I don't know, I think that's like a, a misnomer for this character class because uh, when you hear thief, you think of someone stealing. Yeah, or hiding or anything, but no, not really. Um, the thief here is kind of just like a crappy fighter for the beginning of the game. Yeah. Um, the manual claims that they can always run away from a battle, but that's not true because running is bugged in that weird way. However, that being said, they are the only class that starts with 15 luck, so they can activate that bug where they can always run away as long as they are in one of the first two slots. So I believed it for a long time that thieves could always run away because I frequently would have fighter and then thief as my first two members. So the thief always was able to run, so, mm-hmm. you know. Um, they get a pretty crappy weapon selection for the first, yeah, most of the game. Uh, and especially with armor, they, they can't use anything much better than a black belt. So, yeah. So if you're, if you're conditioned to, you know, fantasy stuff, fantasy games, then that, you know, that makes sense for the thief to not be able to use like heavy, yeah, armor, yeah. heavy weapons, uh, that kind of thing. It's true. Um, but you know, they can't steal or anything, so they're. They're, uh, many people consider them the worst class to start with, and mm-hmm. it's hard to disagree. So, <laughs> Okay, and then um, I would say this character class is sort of half physical attack and half magic, and that would be the Red Mage. Oh, yes. I think of the Red Mage as like the bard. I do, too. He, he kind of looks like it, too, with the hat. Yeah. He's, Fancy hat. He's fabulous. He looks like a front man. <laughs> so, yeah, the Red Mage gets some decent equipment. To be start with, but not the best, you know, not as good as the fighter, but they get a few things, including the key weapon, the silver sword. But their most notable thing is that they can cast both black and white magic spells, which we haven't mentioned yet. So let's define them real quick. Okay, so white magic, that is the magic performed by the white mage. Sure. And then we have... Uh, and what's it do? Well, I would say that white magic is a defensive form of magic, as in it... Casting spells like heal, um, you know, recover HP, mm-hmm, cure mm-hmm. poison and yeah, status, yeah. status ailments, and also uh, increase um, your player's ability to uh, either dodge or yeah, buffs. You know, take, yeah, buffs. I didn't want to use that term. Too convenient for you? Too convenient. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So the white mages, yeah, they're, they're your cleric, I guess. Buff spells, heals. And especially, I think it's notable that they can use hammers, which is definitely a relic from D&D. Later in the series, I think white mages would just get away to only using wizard stuff. But here, you still got hammers. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the opposite of white magic is black magic. And mm. it is wielded by the black mage. Oh, wow. And this type of magic is the offensive type of magic. So this is how you're going to deal damage yeah. magically. You know, while they can make physical attacks, they're not that great. And they can't use a lot oh, of yeah. weapons and armor. Well, their the, role is magic. Yeah, both of the uh, mages have uh, the worst weapon and armor selection and hit points. So, you know, their role is in the rear of the party. So, speaking of magic, why don't we take a minute and talk about the magic system of Final Fantasy? Well, let's do it. Uh, so, this is a weird system that has really never been tried again, I think, or... It's a weird, again, 
roots in D&D here. It's a kind of, what I understand is a Vancean magic system where you have spell slots, which is true. Uh, that, that is how it was done in D&D. But it manifests itself here in a slightly different form where you have slots per spell level. And you can cast any spell of that one level X times. You know, starting with level one will be the easiest, so you'll have the most. And the, But there are the least powerful spells all the way up to level eight. Yeah, and per level you get three spells per level if you're a white mage or black mage. Yeah, you can have um, three spells you know. You must purchase them from a white or black magic store. Which is strange because you actually get to choose your spells. I mean, in... Uh... You know, in D&D, in other RPGs, it's just this natural progression. Like you Sometimes, just, yeah. You just get those. Well, I guess in D&D, yeah, you're, you, you are picking your spells. But um, so it's, uh, it's different from other RPGs in that you don't just receive these spells as you go up yeah, in a level. Yeah. Like you, you get your choice. And I think every store has uh, four options per magic type. Yeah, there are four spells per spell level. Um and you can only hold three, so even the white and black mage can't learn all of the spells. Um, the and especially the red mage can be crowded. You don't want to, you know, you, you have some choices to make about what spells you want per spell level. Now that being said, there are a bunch of magic spells that don't work the way they say they do. Would you say they're bugs? I would. Um, there are several. I think lock two doesn't do what it's supposed to. Uh, there's uh, saber doesn't work, or maybe it's temper that does the opposite. It says it's going to increase yeah, your attack power and it decreases it. Uh, one bug in your favor is that the heal two spell actually does uh, heal three points worth of healing. So yeah, a uh, little little bonus there, but there are a couple of them in here. So anyone getting really serious about it, that's part of the reason why. I think uh, the the mages in this game are kind of underpowered. Some people think heavily. Well, like we said, I mean, weapon, armor, can't really use anything. Well, uh, the big problem is... Their hit points stay low. Like, through the whole game, yeah, the yeah. characters with the lowest hit points are going to be the white mage, black mage. Well, you know, uh, like we kind of theorized earlier, maybe if you were intelligence factored into the amount of damage your spells were doing as your intelligence grew, as you get to the late game, then... Maybe your fire ones would be worth a snot then, but they're definitely not when you get there. So this spell system, you know, it's taken from a D&D spell system where your spells, while you do have slots per spell level, the spells all have a component that powers them up depending on what level you are. But that doesn't exist here. So what happens is at the end of the game, you, you have two thirds of your magic wrapped up in these low level spells that are worthless. Yeah, like the spells never get better. Like, you can yeah. buy better spells, but the spells, they, they will just stay the same through the whole, you know, through the yeah. entirety of the game yeah. from, yeah. They're never going to get any stronger, you know, and the enemies are. So it, they just phase out of use. And so do, you know, all of your black magic spells, really, by the end of the game, unfortunately. Now that we have talked about the character classes, we should probably talk about character class changes. So... Uh, when we started talking about it, we were like, these are your options. You get four of them and you just stay with them for the rest of the game. But there is a point in the game where your character classes don't change per se. They advance. Yeah, you become a more, I guess you could call it a prestige class in the D&D 3.5 lingo. But um, like, for example, the fighter becomes a knight. So still so still the same physical attacks, mm -hmm. armor. But you do get uh, some limited white magic spells, which aren't don't really add much. Yeah, because they're just those. They're <laughs> yeah, just like first level spells. They're so, so weak. So by the time yeah. you get to this uh, class change point, I mean you you don't need them. No, no, you don't. Unfortunately. Okay, then our black belt. Um, he is going to advance to a grand master. Now, yeah, and this is where the black belt really steps up, and the damage. You know, this is where you're definitely passing up the fighter, dealing the most damage, fighting. You know, it's, it's more of the same, but better. But, it, you know, so it's nice. Yep. Your thief, uh, he's going to advance to ninja. This is the most stark difference in between the two classes. Yeah, it's quite a disparity. Where the ninja is now actually, you know, you go from the worst class to an okay one. Um, you get a better, way better weapon and armor selection than the thief. You know, your hit points are all right. Probably still sub. Definitely sub fighter. Probably still sub 
yeah, physical attacks. Yeah, physical attacks still. You're okay, when, especially when you because you get a few weapons. Only the ninja can use the katana, you know. And you do get some like the knight gets white magic. You get black magic, which not the best, but at least you can use fast, which is a useful spell. One yeah. of the few. Yeah, that's the only one that he ever needs to get. So yeah, thieves users of thieves. It does get better. Okay, and then our last three classes that we already talked about. Um, you know, the, the magic users, mm-hmm. uh, they advance from mages to wizards. So red yeah. wizard, white wizard, and black wizard. And really the only difference between them is the spell selection. I think you're prohibited as a, say, a black mage from learning the final couple levels of spells. You know, you have to become a wizard to get nuke or any of the final, the highest and most powerful spells. Yeah, like it doesn't matter what level you are before these class changes, there are just things that you're not going to be able to do regardless of level until you do the class changes. So that includes, you know, the higher um, higher levels of spells mm-hmm. that the wizards can get. So it doesn't matter if you're super duper high level before that class change, you're not going to be able to yeah. get those spells. Now, you can beat the game without getting your class change if uh, you're willing to grind a little more. Um, but So it, it is possible, but it's just much more difficult. Is there any black magic that you can use outside of combat? Uh, no, there's not. But are there any uh, white magic spells that you can use outside of combat? That's right, you can. You can use uh, your healing spells. And uh, most importantly, you can use life spell because it has a failure chance if you do it in combat, unfortunately. But it's guaranteed if you can do it outside of combat. And then, yeah, of course, yeah. um, I'm pretty sure... Actually, I don't remember now if this is white magic or black magic, but uh, exit and warp... Yeah, exit is white, warp is black. Right, okay, there we go. So you get a few, but there's not a whole lot of... The white mage gets the bulk of any utility spells. So yeah, so for magic, um, as I said, there's outside of combat, so maybe we should talk about inside of combat. Okay, let's get into it. Combat. Um, This is an interesting... One of the big things about this game was that it has a different view than I'd ever seen an RPG have, where you have a kind of side view combat, where the enemies are on the left... Your party is lined up on the right. Yeah, it's sort of like a three-quarters kind of view. Barely. I mean, there's barely any background. There's a small strip of it at the top, but most of the background is just null black. Uh, But you do get to see your characters. They take a step forward and a brief animation when they attack. You get a different weapon sprite, depending on what kind of weapons you're using. So it's, uh, while it is very little by today's standards, uh, back in the day, it was, I was, I was hooked. The grab, you know, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, not only could you see what your characters were doing, but you could also see what kind of effect it was having on uh, on your enemies. So if, yeah, you, yeah. if you had like a sword or weapon with like a certain quality, then that would change the color. Yeah, of the, the spray. Or, yeah, the spray yeah. or whatever when you attack it. That's, okay. that's just another level that I think adds to the to the actual combat. Okay, okay. Well, um, so in combat, um, you know, it is menu-driven. So at the beginning of each combat and each round, you will... You have several commands you can choose for each of your characters. I wouldn't say several, though. I would say <laughs> I would say some. Well, you have fight, which is the physical attack we all know and love from many RPGs. Mm-hmm. And it's just your one physical attack. You don't get to... There's no option here. It's just your physical attack that your character yeah. is capable of. Um, after that, we've got item. Well, there's drink, drink. first. Drink. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is just using a potion. There are a few potions, and you don't just use them from the item menu. Kind of confusingly, you use them from the drink menu. Right. And then uh, in combat, though, the only potions, um, you know, that you can use are only heal and pure. Oh, right. And there's other potions and stuff, but you can only use those outside of combat. And weirdly, if you get muted, you cannot drink potions. Well, I guess if you can't use your mouth to talk, I guess you they're can't, sealed shut. You can't drink either. Yeah, <laughs> it's horrifying. I think, it, I think it's just Neo and the first Matrix. <laughs> right. So, uh, so, and then, like you said, you can use items, which, other than potions, which are the main ones you would use, there are a few magic items, mostly staves and magic weapons, that if you use them in the item menu, they'll cast a spell. So, it's uh, those are really cool. That's funny that you said staves, because it's staffs. Staffs. But well, I mean, stave it, off your advances. It's just one of those weird uh, English. Um, oh, sure. Dwarves, morphology. dwarfs. Yeah. Dwarves, dwarves. You're a morphology. Wife, wives. Um, you have a choice to use magic if you so choose, uh, or if you're, yeah, if you have a spellcaster, or you can run. Now, um, the 
real tricky part of the combat in this game is that it is done in a way that is more faithful to D&D than most standard RPG uh, combat, where at the beginning you will input your entire party's orders and then watch them play out in the order of the initiative. You know, the faster, higher agility, I think, goes first. But it's, yeah, it's it can be very unpredictable. So but, yeah, it's, I, I like it though, because it's like you just select everything you're going to do, your part's over, now you just sit back. Yeah, but watch the results. The problem is that, let's say two characters both attack an imp and the first one kills it. The second character will just attack nothing. So you lose an action. So you really, like, uh, I I can see where a lot of people would not put up with this nowadays, but it does, it's almost a little bit of a puzzle game. You know, you're trying to time this out, like who's going to hit who to deal just enough damage to kill this creature so that I'm not wasting actions fighting nothing. I, I don't know. Um... I feel like it adds a little more to combat. Mm-hmm. It gives you something more to think about than just whether you can slaughter these enemies. Yeah. But on the downside, if you're doing repeated battles, and there is no just, I'm just going to have everyone fight because they'll they'll re-ro- they'll reroute their attacks if if it goes to a dead creature. Yeah, you, know? you can't just hold down a. You can, but it'll make the battle go even slower, and it's yeah. not worth it. Yeah. So. Yeah, you might as well just not be there. Um, but same with the magic, though. If that enemy dies before you have cast the spell Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it's just it is likewise ineffective fortunately um pretty early in the game most of your at least attack spells become multi-target so you don't have to worry about it that much all right so that's how you play a final fantasy um you want to let's talk about the story a little bit what little we know at the beginning so what little we know uh which we is there, I think there's like a text scroll at the beginning. Right? Yeah. So before, the four elements so, are in chaos. Yeah. So as soon as you switch on the game, you get uh, the beautiful Final Fantasy theme, and then you're reading that. Uh, yeah. This is all you scroll. really get at the beginning. Yeah. In game. Yeah. But. So it just gives you a, a little bit of background. And uh, it does mention that the Warriors of Light. Or yeah. Light warriors. Light warriors. That's the light warriors. The four of you. Yeah. Prophesied. Um, so yeah, it's the four of you. And You're then... each holding a darkened orb, and you must uh, relight them to uh, <laughs> save the world from the environmental disaster. You know, it's it's all. It does have a environmental theme behind it, kind of. And mm-hmm. you know, it's this is the first one with the four crystals for saving the planet. You know, mm-hmm. at, at the very beginning. Okay, so that's the information that we start out with. So yeah. we, we know that we're in a land in uh, in chaos and distress, and the uh, you uh, choose your four light, light warrior, warriors, light warriors, and you're yep. off off to the races. Yep, and you know that your your task is to restore order. All right, so let's gather around the hearth and tell some tales of Final Fantasy for NES. <laughs> hearken ye, hearken ye the tale. So I will begin this this tale with uh, just talking about the graphics of this game are awesome. Uh, when they came out, you know, the enemy sprites are so detailed. And, you know, when you compare them to, say, a Dragon Warrior enemies, which are cartoony, you know, Pokemon... You know, these look like D&D creatures. I, I, you know, I really felt like this was the hardcore RPG for, you know, console gamers when it, when it came out. Yeah, and uh, they're fantastic in that they are uh, rendered three-dimensional, too. You know, like in, uh, in other games, when you are uh, in combat, you're just face-to-face with them. But right, you get yeah. this... You get this uh, three-quarters view with them, so you can tell, even with the limited capability of, uh, you know, illustrating the monsters and stuff, you get, you get like, a total, um, you know, you get, like, depth yeah, in yeah. the monsters. Well, they're, like, yeah. portraits. It's not just a head-on little doodle. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, they look really detailed, and your while well, your PC sprites aren't extremely detailed themselves, they are slightly animated, which went for a lot, and you could see them, which you couldn't during combat for any RPG I had played previously. Yeah, like you said, they're they're pretty uh, plain, but, I mean, you can tell exactly what they are. Like, you can tell, like, okay, this guy's tough, he's wearing this. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and, da- and... down to the black belt's, like, wrist. Sure, yeah, uh, yeah. Wrist sweatbands. And, and or... since you get different weapon sprites, it's just so fun, you know, to check out that different uh, equipment. 
Uh, and the music in it is really good. Um, you know, there's a reason Nobuo Uematsu is, uh, you know, uh, a franchise standard for many years after this because uh, certain songs, you know, the opening, um, the the theme when you're riding around on the ship, you know, any of the music yeah. little samples you might have heard before are super catchy and uh, are, you know, some of them are my favorite tracks that uh, from any NES games. And I'll mention them as we come across them later on. But I just really love them. And the soundtrack uh, still holds up today. Yeah, soundtrack uh, for uh, combat and victory after combat. I mean, those are just iconic. Like, they're they're so fun to listen to. Yeah. And, I mean, I can see how the Final Fantasy theme, um, you know, like you were saying, the ship music and then the battle and victory music. I mean, those have been, um, I don't want to say unchanged, but those have those well, yeah, just, like, they, repeatedly come up. And I mean, it started here. They get over retooled. Over the course of 20 years and, you know, so many games. But yeah, those are those features are are there and they're there for a reason. So yeah, now on the downside, you know, like I said, there are certain things that are bugged in this game, which are heartbreaking for me because I never realized it playing through. But in this game, you do get a lot of magic swords that claim they will do more damage to a certain target, such as the giant sword, which will do I don't know double damage against giants or like the elemental uh, yeah, fire sword. Of- yeah, armor and weapons. None, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so the weapons, none of them actually do what they say they do. They're all just weapons. Yeah. So you might as well just look at the the stats for the weapons. Just the and damage the and the just, price. Yeah. Damage, price. Um, however, the armor works. Yeah. Yeah. The so armor does work as, as stated. That yeah. benefits the fighter, really. A few other classes at the end. I think the ninja can use a few elemental shields and stuff, but... Everyone else's armor selection so limited, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, so. and actually, let me correct you when you're considering, you know, weapons and armor. You don't consider the price because you don't buy any of the elemental weapons or armor. Those well, are all, I mean, those for are all found for selling. Oh, right. <laughs> like, which one's worth the most? If they're both, everything else is equal. I'll sell the the expensive one. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, and when this game came out, I always kind of, you know. I hadn't played Dragon Warrior 3 yet, so I would compare it to 2, and I think it's handily better. Uh, But I think this game versus Dragon Warrior 3 became the true battle in my heart of which was the best RPG on the NES. See, and I haven't played Dragon Warrior 3, so Mm -hmm. I know. need to correct that so we can have an actual objective... Dialogue. (laughs) An actual objective uh, judgment. The maps, world maps, dungeons, you know, everything looks good, not just the sprites but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i agree that in particular like uh, it's that. interesting the way the maps are depicted on the overhead overworld map because they're just like one big solid mass like a giant ayers rock or something mm-hmm. with a flat top like it's kind of weird but uh i thought it was kind of neat and uh, mimicked it a lot in my D maps for a year or two mm-hmm. you also get that three quarters view too kind of yeah yeah like, yeah which i i really appreciated too Okay, so to wrap up our first episode, and this is generally our structure where we'll spend the first episode talking about the game and then maybe a little bit of uh, playthrough, let's play talk, talking time. And then since uh, RPGs are a little more long form than most games, we'll each episode is going to be a, probably at least a three-parter. So we'll divide the game up into chunks and we'll just proceed from here. So starting off here in Corneria. You say Corneria? Or Corneria. Corneria is how I say it. Well, you don't have to well, fight I mean, about it. Yeah, there's no... <laughs> Let's not okay. fight about it. Let's uh, actually... First of all, what uh, parties did you choose for your recent adventures? Good. I... We should talk about that. All right. So beginning of the game, choose your party. My party was a fighter, a black belt, a white mage, and a black mage. Oh, it's a pretty balanced party. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that was my experience, um, you know, playing previously, like my my very first time playing and uh, being conditioned by other, you know, fantasy tropes and um, yeah, candy, yeah. stuff like that, where it's like, you know what a balanced party <laughs> right, is. Right, so it's going right. to be you know, a fighter, then you need a, you know, a quick agile type, high dex maybe. Sure, sure. And then, uh, you know, you need a blend of magic. You got to have white, got to have black. Yeah. Um, 
And then uh, what was your other party? Oh, my second party, I had a black belt, I had a thief, and I had two red mages. That's a weird party. I know. Well, I wanted to get weird. Like I said, the first yeah. one, I mean, that's just uh, yeah. stereotypical. Um, but yeah, second time around, I want to get a little crazy. Yeah, I uh, I also played it twice. Uh, and the first time I played, I used a fighter, a black belt, a thief, and a red mage. Which is, that's the default party. It kind of shows up on the thing, on the oh, screen. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Um, it's always been one of my favorites. It's a, it's a more offensive party, I guess. Um, but uh, And then the second time I played through with what, after having played through the game, I wanted to kind of test it out where I played with a fighter, a black belt, a red mage, and a white mage. Because I, I really theorize that's the like the best party, kind of, with the rules as they are. So either way, you start off, the map opens up, and you are just outside a large town of Corneria. You see a castle at the top. Um, it's a pretty cool-looking town. This is something graphically on the maps that looks great in Final Fantasy versus, say, Dragon Warrior. Yeah, you get that cool three-quarters view, so you know that there are small houses. Yeah, and there's a little... There's a tall castle. A town wall that you you know, you know go inside, and um, you can go to the castle if you want, uh, and where you will learn of the, the king will ask you to rescue his daughter, Princess Sarah, who has been kidnapped by the evil Garland in the Temple of the Fiends to the Northwest. But more importantly, you have 400 gold, and you should spend it in the town to outfit yourself for your adventure. Um, each of the... There's not a lot of different equipment at the beginning, really. Um, no. Fighters and red mages can use chain armor, which is the best and will be your standard for a while. Um, thieves and black belts can use wooden armor, and the lowly mages can only use cloth. So you get the best armor you can. Uh, your weapons, you can get rapiers are the best one for fighters, red mages, and thieves. And, of course, your black belt can only use nunchucks. And then you can arm your mages with whatever crap is left. Hammer. Yeah. yeah. Hammer for the white mage. You can get mm -hmm. a knife or a staff if you really care either way for your black mage. But it doesn't matter. But most of your budget will really go to purchasing uh, probably one or, or two spells if you're able to squeeze it out of that 400 because... Level 1 spells are 100 gold apiece. Yep, Cure and Fire. That's uh... Definitely, and if you have to choose, I usually choose Cure mm -hmm. between the two. Mm -hmm. And then you're set free. Um, as long as you have everything equipped, you can head off now. Um, quite frankly, uh, with most parties, I have I kind of tried to sell you on this, even though I know you're a, a, a grinding fiend, but... You can just walk straight to this thing right off the bat and roll up and just beat Garland. You don't even have to grind at all before you fight him. But you can, and it's you know it's not necessarily a bad idea. I mean, you're gonna have to do it sooner or later, and yeah. just yeah. Traditionally, I usually just kind of grind at the beginning of a game. I've found that you know you can explore, you can grind a little around the area if you want. But if I if I head straight up there and then go get those two, there are two treasure chests in the Temple of Fiends with a a cap and uh, I think a cabin. And a, and a heal potion in mm. the other ones. You know, there's a couple little chests. You can get those. And right before I would get to Garland, I would hit level two. So I know if you wait till you're level two before you head there, you should be good to go. Mm -hmm. Guess what level I was? I don't know. Eight? Five? Whoa, really? I'm not insane. I, but, but yeah, maybe you I'm are. Not... But <laughs> No, I mean, that's what one of the things that's cool about RPGs is you can make it as easy as you want by, by grinding. As long as you don't mind or, you know, whatever. So... But also in the Temple of Fiends, you will also see two doors that are mysteriously locked by a magic key. You cannot open these yet, but keep them in mind for the future. Mm. You also have the two doors inside the king's castle. Oh, yeah, that that's true. be opened by mystic keys, therefore giving you a clue. It's you, not just the king, yeah. you know, protecting his stuff. It's, yeah, it's in general, there's going to be locked doors that need a mystic key. That's right. So make a note. And once you make that note, you can head in. To the center room where Garland himself, you see him, you see a bunch of bats, and you see the Princess Sarah behind him. And let the battle begin. And Have any notes about Garland? Uh, about Garland? He's, um, a, he's a total wuss. He's, he's, yeah, he's a total wuss. Um, so I love Garland's sprite. Yeah, it's awesome. It's uh, awesome. He's, he's not as tough as his sprite may make you think, though. No. He's very easy, um, generally just fighting, and if you have fire, you can cast it on him. Uh, I think he might have 100 hit points at the most. Yeah, pretty weak. Generally, I could beat him taking minimal damage. I think I had to use a cure once for one of my parties. Uh -huh. yeah, it's deadly, but defeat him you will. And after you collect your golden experience, you go and talk to the princess 
and are quickly teleported to the king's chambers. Yep. And so you return her into the loving arms of her uh, father, and she bestows upon you an item. That's right. The loot. The loot. The loot. And uh, No, that's L-U-T-E, not L-O-O-T. <laughs> the lute. So the musical instrument, a lute, which right. plays, it plays beautiful music, which it will tell you it does if you click on <laughs> right. it, if you select it from your item outside of combat. And the king has agreed to build a bridge across the canal or gap channel to the north so that you can continue your quest elsewhere because you are totally landlocked here. And he knows that... Um, he knows that you're light warriors. That's right. So he's on your side. You've proved your, your worth, and it's time to adventure forth. And uh, I think that's where we will call our first episode. All right. Cliffhanger. That's right. So, yeah, thanks, everybody. And Time to check into the inn, restore <laughs> your HP, save, and come back next week. Yeah, next week we're going to pick up where we left off and really delve deeply into this game and truly adventure through the lands. And now I have to remember all the stuff we say at the end of the podcast. So mm-hmm. here we go. Um, yeah, anybody out there who wants to uh, send us a message, tell us what tell us what you think about uh, our OG RPG experiment. Uh, did you like the theme song? Because uh, if so, uh, you can thank Cartridge Commando Casey for his uh, composition skills. Space Case. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you can uh, just email us there at uh, cartridgecommand at gmail.com and we will soak up all the praise or hate as it may be. Get in touch with us on Twitter at cartcommand. Yeah, yes. That's right. Uh, Eric, our communications officer, usually posts when new episodes show up. So look there as well as Facebook. And But most importantly of all, we must thank our brave patrons for allowing us to adventure, sponsoring these mercenaries to battle forth and restore balance to the world. Uh, yes, all of the gold pieces from the our fine patrons and cart commandos. Yeah, they allow us to buy 99 heal potions one at a time. So thanks, guys and gals. Thanks, RPG adventurers. And as always, cartridge commandos, game on! Well, no, adjust your mic however you want it. Okay. I also can't read my notes because they're underneath the mic. How much paper shuffling am I allowed to do? Zero. Ah!